Hello and welcome to Talking SME, our quickfire chat with business leaders. I'm Jane O'Gorman, Director of 10 to 2, Experts in Flexible Recruitment and Consulting, and I'm very pleased today to welcome Louise Hosking, MD of Hosking Associates, President of the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, and Director of One Wish, the Global Coalition of Women in Safety and Health, promoting inclusion across the health and safety profession. Hi, Louise. Welcome, and, and thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Jane. It's great to be here, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, so, Louise, you, you established Hosking Associates in 2005, focusing on occupational safety and health and, and sustainability for, for businesses of all sizes. What, what for you was the trigger that developed your passion in this area? So, um, gosh, it's a really <laughs> long story how I got into health and safety. Um, but I... Um, a first career health and safety professional, which is actually quite unusual. So I began my career as an environmental health officer working for Cambridge City Council um, and really refined that into a health and safety role because I was always interested in how organisations and companies operated and worked. Um, and for me, health and safety is is something that kind of it spreads across any organisation of, of, of any size and, and, and any nature, really. Um, and I, I've worked in all sorts of places and um, worked for a large corporate organisation, commercial property. And um, I don't know, I had this kind of realisation one day. It's like, you know, these big corporate companies mm. um, have very much got the resources that they need um, and can use in respect of health and safety and their people um, and they make choices around that whereas smaller companies SMEs it's just not as easy for them and I really wanted to um, focus on SMEs and how they operated um, and so that was very much the trigger for why I created my consultancy and it was all around you know using the skills that I had from corporate and from my experience to really support and help businesses uh, to use health and safety as as a enabler for success rather than um, seeing it as something that was all about compliance and yeah. you know holding them back but actually using it to move forward. Indeed, I like that. And, and was it always your plan at some point to set up your own business? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. <laughs> no, I don't think it was. And um, I remember actually after I'd set up the business, um, hearing somebody talking about running a business. And they said, if you knew how hard it was, you'd never have done it in the first place. Wow. Um, and I think... But actually, when I was working for the corporate, I, I kind of had my own cost centre. Um, I was developing kind of an internal consultancy within that organisation anyway. And so for me, I I liked the business side of what I did as well. Um, so it was something that evolved. And um, I remember I had an incredible um, line manager there who who 
didn't know anything about health and safety but she knew how to lead a business and um she was you know she was encouraging as well so I think um there is a number of different factors it was it was I couldn't find the kind of health and safety consultancy when I was there that I wanted to create and so that was kind of a driver for me I guess yeah to go alone yeah (laughs) or at least start up yeah Um, and, and I'm sure as a business leader, you will have experienced highs and lows over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you think was the biggest challenge for you in those early days and and how did you overcome that? I think in the early days, it's going back to that comment of I didn't know how hard, just how hard it was going to be. So, um, you know, back in 2005, I... Um, you know, I was working in commercial property for a property, large property consultancy. And, you know, I was I was kind of at I had that role in that job that, you know, I'd always kind of, you know, work towards. And at the time, I, you know, I, I knew other people that were doing that. And I was quite well known for what I'd achieved in that role. Mm. Um, and I think when I I completely underestimated um what creating a business of a similar you know I, I, I thought well you know I'm going to create this business I've got all these contacts um it's going to be fine mm. and um and all of those oh we'll definitely ring you and yes we'll definitely use you and we can definitely you know take that kind of support um I went from a very very busy role to the phone didn't ring quite as much as I thought it was going to ring Mm. Um, and I think it was that challenge of then you know this is you know under my control I've got to do the marketing I've got to go out I've got to reach customers I've got to get customer focus and really harness all of those business skills and I think that was a really tough time um and also um initially most of my work was in commercial property management and of course we had the big bank crash of course around that time yeah um and that was just as I was starting to grow um and that set me back as well so that was a really tough period I'd say yeah, I can imagine. Um, we kickstarted about the same time, so I know your pain. <laughs> um, you're, you're clearly passionate about helping organisations create a safe and healthy environment for their mm-hmm. people. What, what what would you say has been your biggest highlight or, or proudest moment since starting the business? Um, I think I think yeah, I was I was thinking about this and thinking, you know, what are my highlights? I mean, my I'm very proud of my team that I have now um, and, you know, where we are now and the the group of people that I have working with me, a, a huge highlight. Um, I think the highlights have definitely come from helping, you know, SMEs and mm-hmm. have kind of light bulb moments around this. And when they focus on their health and safety and, truly put their people first um there are all sorts of things that come out of it that just have incredible benefits um and you know I'm thinking about one organization in particular that I worked with and I remember we were and they're an engineering company that had you know 50 engineers going out you know on the road doing various things so predominantly male 
orientated organization and um we were talking about um mental health and well-being and um psychological health and safety because i i firmly believe if organizations have psychological health and safety within their companies they trust each other and we get authentic you know we get authenticity in what we're doing and and it drives organizations forward and i remember having these initial conversations with them and one of the guys said to me, he said, Louise, we've got more chance of them admitting that they shave their legs than talking about their mental health. Wow. And, um, mm. and and that was right at the beginning. And we actually, um, you know, gradually did work around this topic area and and supported, you know, this predominantly male workforce to kind mm. of open up about just stuff you know and each other and build that trust and from that we started to learn things about the organization we had it heightened listening skills it heightened um authentic working it heightened collaboration and and that went across the organization and I think it's it's being involved in that type of thing that it that becomes a real highlight for me yeah, that's an incredible outcome and a great example as well. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, there's probably some of what my next question might have been answered there because you've given such great results that have come from that example. But, you know, I was going to say, what? why is it important for businesses to embed strong values within all roles of an organisation? Well, it's just, you know, it's um, I mean, one of the things that'd be great to talk about as well. So it's, I've, I've got all these kind of different hats. So sure. in my hat, with my hat of um, Irish president, we've got a campaign that we're running at the moment called Catch the Wave, um, which is all about um, social sustainability and where health and safety fits into all of this. Um, and it is around how we put our people first and um you know, we've always talked about this in business is we've got to be people orientated. Um, you know, Rich Branson had that catchphrase, didn't he, which I can't remember now, which is all about putting people first. Mm. Um, and we've always known that. But I think the coming out of the pandemic, post pandemic, um, we really have been putting our people first because we had to care about their health. We had to care about our customers health. And that had to come before the organisation and it's changed the way that we do business. Um, and the IOSH Catch the Wave campaign is very much um, harnessing that people-centred approach and actually, you know, showing the case that if you truly put your people first, you create psychological and physical health and safety, they're going to solve business challenges they're going to work in um more innovative teams they're going to be creative um they're going to they're going to work forward and so um you know very much ties in with the the topics that I'm talking around around social sustainability as part of my presidential themes as well and um and it's not just for the bigger organizations it's it's definitely for everybody amazing and you catch the wave um, thanks for giving us a little bit of an intro on that. Is that being driven as a result of the pandemic? Is it something that you were already thinking of or is it really something that has developed given the circumstances that we've had? 
yeah in the last ab- 20 months. A- absolutely it's it's come off of the back of the pandemic um and certainly if i think you know gosh so much has happened you know yeah. two years ago i mean you were asking me about one of the challenges it was definitely you know going into the pandemic where you know our customers needed us to do you know we had to digest lots and lots of information we would risk assessing their operations with them to keep their operations running but to keep their workers healthy um and at the time you know i was doing the same within my organization and my team who as you know are largely <laughs> part-time workers um with their own caring responsibilities and and so health and safety the health and safety profession was thrust into a spotlight at that point and I think we we absolutely rose to the challenge and I believe that our perception as health and safety professionals has definitely changed so the whole um, catch the wave campaign is actually saying look at what we can achieve when we work together and actually, the way that businesses are doing businesses with each other and with their customers is much more socially aware now. Um, so Catch the Wave is all about catching that wave and continuing to put our people first, because when we put our people first, um, our, our businesses will thrive um, coming through and out the other side. Amazing. There's a great message in that, Louise. And and obviously your reputation as a, as a, as a female business leader in your field is highly recognised. And, and many congrats on, you know, your presidency of IOSH. Is Catch the Wave one of your main goals? What would you say is your particular goal that you want to achieve? Yeah. So um, yeah. So catch the wave and sustainability is is kind of it. It kind of so my theme across the year is people, which comes mm-hmm. first. So people's sustainability and putting heart into health and safety. So it's very much about you know how do we change the the you know how do we change the message around health and safety? How do we articulate? that this is a caring profession where people are first it's not just about the process um so so that is you know that kind of encompasses everything that I'm working towards but I'm also working towards um supporting women and underrepresented groups into the profession as well um so currently within IOSH we're about so we have almost 49,000 members around the world um and um but only 21% um or so are, are actually women um and that so that's not you know that's not the same as our workplaces where we're working yeah. um so for me it's um you know bringing women into the profession but not just bringing them into the profession but actually encouraging them into leadership positions so you know hopefully I I will be an example for that and and there's lots of reasons why that's important because um, if you look at sectors like mining construction so on um, where you know predominantly they're they're you know they're um, mostly you know male workforces um, we're not going to be looking at health and safety 
in its entirety. So we're not going to be looking at health and safety through a more feminine lens, if you like. So, um, you know, certainly we've we've you know hear stories about the way that women are treated at work, and and as soon as you get um, more women into leadership, you've got those kind of more feminine skills around empathy and collaboration and um, you know the the kind of I don't call them soft skills they're they're power skills they sure. they really change organizations so it, it creates a different kind of balance um and so that's important for our profession and for organizations as well I like that power skills Louise I'm going to keep that <laughs> <laughs> You're um you're a great ambassador of part-time working. You touched on that just a moment mm-hmm. ago. And and I know that this is something that you feel quite strongly about. What what does it mean for you and for your business? Yeah, so um part-time work for me is definitely not part of a um a role or a career or a profession. Um and you know, if we're to achieve um equity within our businesses um I strongly believe you know again it's what's come out of the pandemic is much more flexible approach to working um and you know for me um we were doing this before the pandemic actually where you know most of the people that work for me very flexible it works for me from a business perspective because when we have peaks and troughs which you have most I think SMEs really get those peaks and troughs um we can adapt to each other um and actually, I'm, I'm a strong believer in empowerment. And it means that my team come in and do what they need to do when they can do it around their families. Um, and I've got some, you know, I mean, my team have just got some awesome credentials. <laughs> um, and I mean, one of my consultants in particular um, came to me because her employer at the time after she had her baby wouldn't let her go part-time and I was like well you know that's my gain so so you know that kind of flip we're already working flexibly largely from home so certainly when the pandemic came um yeah we were we were able to adapt and I think that agility is is um really you know that's where SMEs um certainly come into their own um but we were talking Jane weren't we about um you know encouraging men to work um more flexibly as well and I think that um when we start saying to our male colleagues do you know what this is okay you know you can you can also you can be the person to take paternity leave you can be the person to you know it's it's you know part it's an enabler work. isn't it absolutely yeah um, and we are seeing a change in that I have to say and, and again I agree with you Louise I think the pandemic has given people time to reflect and really think about how they manage the time and what they want to do with their time yeah um, and I I do think where you know because I am a keen advocate for um supporting women into leadership roles um is that you know when we get to that point where everybody feels that they can be themselves and they can um you know share and 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 you know anybody feels that they can work flexibly and um 
you know part-time if they want to go part-time and it's not going to affect what they're doing um I genuinely think that's where we're going to get true equity within our businesses and 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 we need that to be representative of the world of work great points great points um you're also a co-founder and director of one wish yeah a global global coalition of women in safety and health um, it'd be great if you can just tell us a little little bit about that and, and what your biggest hope is for One Wish. Yeah, so so I'm really excited by this. Mm. So um yeah, I mean again this is this is all been around how can we encourage um women into health and safety, into leadership roles, um, for, for the reasons that I've I've described. And it actually came about um because um, a very good friend of mine called Malcolm Staves, who's the global head of health and safety for L'Oreal. So he's got the kind of reverse um, (laughs) job of me. So we have some quite interesting conversations. Um, I was was talking to him about um, supporting a um, girls' school in London that I work with, um, a state girls' school, and encouraging um, the young women there to get into STEM subjects and to you know we 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 were talking at the time about setting up some work experience with L'Oreal and and science and just connecting those kind of dots and then the pandemic happened and we had to kind of put that project on ice but then we started talking about how women in health and safety um we need more women in the industry with those kind of empathy compassionate type skills and um, he and I just started pulling our networks together from around the world. Um, and before we knew it, we had this coalition of membership and um, organisations from around the world talking about how can we bring, how can we make women in health and safety more visible? How can we give them confidence so we run training? Um, because what we found was that they they feel like they're not good enough. And we're telling them you're absolutely good enough and we're giving them lots of confidence and we're, we're showcasing um, women around the world and, and what they can do and also linking people from around the world. So, you know, one of the benefits that's definitely come out of the pandemic is the fact that um, so Tamara, who, who helps run all of this, is on the committees in Canada and she'll just ring me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And um, the joy. I've got this idea, and I'll be on the train, you know, um, coming back in St Albans, and I'll get a call, you know, I'll get, yeah. you know, getting those calls from Canada or wherever, um, just has become normal. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's definitely a big positive, you know, in terms of that ability to communicate mm-hmm. geographically. There's no barriers anymore, is there really? You know, apart from obviously being conscious of the time constraints, but other than that, yeah, time zones suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we actually, I mean, we actually, the, the, one of the first, um, uh, you know, pulling people together for one wish. One of the first sessions we had, we had people from Australia to Arizona, wow. um, and I think we all got a little bit excited and then realised that actually we probably need to do something separate for the Asian um, Pacific region because. Yeah, the time zones, the time zones suck, suck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure there's much we can do about that. There's so many, yeah, I know. It's the things we control, I guess. And, and so what would you say is your biggest hope for One Wish? What's, what, what is that? Well, 
we were talking about this yesterday actually and what we were saying is that the biggest hope for one wish is that we won't need one wish in the future because we'll have achieved equity and Mm -hmm. balance within our um, organizations and, and it won't be needed wow that's a great one isn't it (laughs) <laughs> let's keep our fingers crossed and, Absolutely. Hopeful. and Absolutely. I'm sure you'll do your utmost <laughs> um as we as we look ahead uh, and hopefully beyond COVID or at least manage to to live alongside it is there is there any top tip that you can share with us that we should consider in order to be future ready I think it's it is this message of you know comes back to my people's sustainability and putting heart into health and safety but it's um absolutely truly honestly putting your people first um and listening and you know they have the answers they are the ones where if we can you know if we treat them well if we give them psychologically and physically healthy and safe places to work um they will return that and they will look after our businesses um but it's also think about your own that's the other thing about running a business it's tough we know it's tough um and it's put on your own oxygen mask first so look after yourself look after your own psychological health and safety um but yeah and and be authentic I think you know one of the things that happened within the crisis which I'm sure a lot of SME owners can relate to is just we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't you know my phone stopped ringing and that's worrying when that happens And I was really honest with my team and I was probably more honest about things than I've ever been. And actually that brought us closer. Um, So I think authenticity is important first as as, as well or be authentic. Mm -hmm. Do you know, that's that's some lovely, lovely tips there, Louise. And I think I can certainly relate to those and I'm sure many of our listeners will too so so thank you very much for that it's incredibly helpful and and, and thank you so much for for joining us today and and for this inspirational chat I've so much enjoyed it and it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you so much um it's been great to speak Oh, and to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our Talking SME. Look out for future episodes coming soon from 10 to 2. Experts in flexible recruitment and consulting.